Well, happy Easter, everyone. It's so good to have you with us, especially if you're a guest, maybe a friend brought you or a relative or maybe you just came to check out uh, Springbrook on Easter. Thanks for being part of this wonderful celebration. Thanks for coming and worshiping the Lord. My name is Pastor uh, Dan Harrison, and uh, I was thinking about Easter and some of the things that are common with Easter, what kind of images come to mind? The first one that came to mind was the big guy, yeah, the Easter bunny. Uh, I, I, I looked into the origins of the Easter bunny, and I found out that uh, it started in Germany, and German immigrants brought it to the United States back in the 1800s. It was about this bunny. It had a certain name that would go around and deliver eggs to good kids, kind of like the springtime Santa Claus. And over time, it's become big business, right? The Easter Bunny brings in a lot of dough. Uh, my favorite kind of Easter Bunnies are right here. Ah, chocolate Easter Bunnies. Ah, very good. Very good. Another thing that comes to mind, Easter, is looking for Easter eggs. How many have had an Easter egg hunt? This weekend at your house, huh? Yeah, my wife still does it. Our kids are like 17, 20, 22, you know. I don't get a basket. Do I get a basket? I haven't gotten a basket in a lot of years. That's a real problem, right? Yeah. And then on Easter, of course, everybody gets dressed up. And I just want to let you guys know that you look wonderful. (laughs) You really look good today. Uh, Very, very good. Beautiful dresses and outfits and we got this little baby. He's all decked out in his Easter uh, outfit. And then you have these four little cute girls who have their uh, wonderful Easter dresses on. Oh, oh this is so precious. That's what I, when I saw it, I said, oh, got to show that, got to show that. Then, of course, there's the food, Easter food. you got cinnamon rolls. Anybody having cinnamon rolls this morning? Yeah, you got to have cinnamon rolls. And what else you having for lunch? you having what? you having ham, right? I'm here having ham for lunch. Yeah, it's a turkey of uh, Easter, right? Uh, you got to have ham. So we got all these ideas about what Easter is about in our culture. But it's kind of like July 4th. Uh, when we get together to celebrate July 4th, we don't get together to read the Declaration of Independence at our family gatherings outside in the backyard uh, near the barbecue. No, <laughs> we're just eating and watching fireworks and... All that kind of stuff. Uh, It's the same way with Easter. People get caught up in all this stuff that we've talked about, which is fine. But really, the main reason is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. That's what we come to celebrate, the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And that's what we want to talk about today, the importance of the resurrection. The resurrection changes everything. And it changed everything. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't even remember Jesus Christ. He'd just be another dead religious leader. There would be no Christianity. We wouldn't have this church. We wouldn't even be here without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything hinges on the resurrection of Christ when it comes to what we believe about what God says. We're going to take a close look at this. First of all, we're going to talk about the fact that the resurrection matters because God proved, or excuse me, Jesus proved He was God. Jesus proved He was God. Look at John 14, 6. 
This is a very, very powerful statement Jesus says about himself. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. Jesus Christ is saying that he's life. He's life itself. Isn't that amazing? He's saying he's God. He's saying that he's truth. Not just that he speaks truth, but that he embodies truth. He's God. He says, I am the way to God the Father. I'm the only way to God the Father. Now, again, we live in a day and age when spirituality is very popular here in the United States. People are more spiritually minded than they've been for a long time. But the problem is that people say, well, you can pick your own religion. You can make your own religion. Who cares, you know, as long as you're sincere. <laughs> Jesus Christ says there's only one way to God. There's only one way to be saved, and that is me. I am God. Now, that's quite a claim. I mean, this was before Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So, I mean, people were hearing these type of statements, and they were thinking, wow, this guy is claiming to be God, especially the religious leaders. That's what made him so mad. I mean, if you came in today and... You're a guest here, and I came up to say, Hey, great to meet you. Thanks for coming to the day. I'm Pastor Dan Harrison, and I also want to let you know I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be out the door, right? They'd say, Where are you bringing me, man? This is a cult. What are you talking about? This guy is, is fruity. You know, he's lost it. What's going on here? Yeah, well, that's how people responded to Jesus Christ. If a guy comes up to you and says he's God, you've got to wonder. Right? Well, that's what he was saying. He even went beyond that. John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. He's talking to Martha. Lazarus had died. And now Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So not only is he saying that he is a life, he's saying he's the resurrection, that he can resurrect people from the dead. And he says, whoever believes in me, whoever is a Christ follower, though he die physically, yet shall he live spiritually into eternity. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Eternal life. Now, you don't make this type of statement, this claim, unless you are God himself. Jesus was sharing with his disciples. Jesus knew exactly why he was here on earth. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to be, again, uh, resurrected. And so he was letting the disciples know what was going to happen. He's talking to them in Mark 10. He says, saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. He said, I'm going to be killed, guys. And after that, three days, he will rise. And then after that, I'm going to be resurrected. So, the disciples, what are they saying? 
to Jesus. They say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sad to hear about the fact that you're going to die, but at the same time, that's great news, you're coming back. No, they get all bummed out. They don't believe he's coming back. Oh, no, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to die. We've got to stay away from Jerusalem. Come on. You know, they're filled with grief over this. They don't believe that Jesus is coming back to life. But Jesus Christ spoke so often about this, the fact that he was going to be resurrected, that the Jewish authorities, the people who they thought put Jesus on the cross, actually God put Jesus on the cross, and he used them, uh, but they realized that after Jesus Christ had died, they remembered that he said he was coming back in three days. So they went to the Roman authorities and said, listen, listen, we got a problem here because Jesus said he was going to rise again. The disciples didn't remember that. That's crazy. But uh, what we need to do is we need to get some, some Navy SEALs out there, the equivalent, you know, the Roman guard out there. We need to get about 20 to 30 guys outside this tomb guarding a dead man so that the disciples wouldn't steal the body. And, of course, the funny thing about it is the disciples are all over the corner crying, Oh, Jesus is gone forever. He's never coming back. Oh, this has been a waste. I mean, these are guys who are going to steal a body and start a religion, right? These guys are, you know, out to lunch. You know, they've lost it because they didn't have the faith. <laughs> the Jewish leaders knew that this could be a possibility. So they put this Roman guard out there, and that stopped God, right? Oh, yeah, right. The angels, boom, they're, they're on the ground. They're on the ground, and Jesus, Jesus rises. He, he's resurrected by the power of God. And that's what we celebrate today. The fact that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. You can go to all the world religious leaders that have established major world religions, and they are still in their tombs. Jesus Christ is not in his tomb. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is representing us to the Father, and that's what we celebrate. Amen? Amen. Let's praise the Lord for that. No doubt. Amen. And, and you see, this, was a, this proved everything. All these outlandish claims that Jesus made about himself, well, they're true. Because who's come back from the dead? Nobody. Right? People might have been resuscitated, that kind of thing. But he had been dead for like three days. And he was resurrected by the power of God. And it proved everything that he had said about himself. That's why the resurrection is so important. Anybody can say the things that Jesus said. But it's another thing to say, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. Now that, that that's impressive. And, and that's why when you study through the book of Acts, uh, you see the apostles, the thing that they talk about the most of Jesus' teachings, and that really wasn't Jesus' teaching they talked about the most, per se. They talked about that. But the thing that they kept driving home whenever they were teaching, whenever they were, whenever they were interacting with people, they were saying, Jesus Christ, the one who rose again. 
Jesus Christ the resurrected. And why was that so important? He was just not some ordinary guy. He was a guy who said he was God, and he conquered death. Now, that's something you've got to pay attention to. And it's the same reason why we need to pay attention to Jesus today. Because he claimed to be God, he rose again from the dead, and he is God. And if you're struggling at all with believing the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, you just go home, get on the Internet, Google uh, proofs for Jesus Christ's resurrection. I tell you what, the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave is, is as much a historical fact that Jesus Christ was born, he lived, and he died. So many people have tried to disprove the resurrection of Christ and they end up becoming Christ followers because you just can't do it. Now, another challenge that people have is, is they want to kind of bring Jesus into their religion. It's kind of like a big tent, these different major religions. They all want Jesus to be a part of it because Jesus is the main deal. Okay, They're selling you a bill of goods. Uh, but Jesus is the main deal. So they come, oh, come here, Jesus. You're a good teacher. You're a good prophet. You know, you're part of our religion too. But they just talk about his, his good teachings. They don't talk about his resurrection because if you talk about his resurrection, then you have to deal with his deity. And they don't want to say that Jesus Christ was God. Right? Here's the bottom line, guys. Each of us, every one of us in this room has to come to a decision about who Jesus Christ was. And then we have to decide what are we going to do with what He said we need to do. If He truly is God, if He is supreme, if He is sovereign over everything, well, that means that we need to respond to Him. And, and again, is Jesus Christ God? That's where you got to start out. I mean, either He was a He lied, right? He lied about everything. That's not a good teacher, right? Or he was stark raven mad, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. He actually was who he said he was. And if you believe in the resurrection, and you believe that Jesus Christ was God, that means that you have to live every day in the light of that knowledge. And you need to respond properly to Jesus Christ. Because again, this is a life and death deal. We're talking about your eternity here in the way that you respond to Jesus Christ. If you choose not to respond to Him, that's a negative response. That's a default negative response. But Jesus Christ proved that He was God. The second thing is that the resurrection matters because my past can be forgiven. My past can be forgiven. We are all sinners, right? We've all blown it. We've all made so many mistakes. We've done our own things, gone our own way. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're walking around with a bag of guilt. You're, you're walking around with all kinds of pain from ruined relationships, from decisions that you've made that caused you pain and caused other people pain and things that you've said, things that you've done and you have that guilt and you've tried to resolve that guilt, but you can't resolve it because God is the only one who can forgive you. Now, the challenge here is that we're sinners, and the Bible is very clear about the fact that there's a penalty for sin, and that is eternal separation from God in hell. That's what we deserve 
for our sin. God is holy. He is a judge. And just as much as He loves us, He also is holy. And He has to, to again, be pure in everything that He does. So it's can't lie. you can't say, oh, well, you know, I'll just kind of dismiss those sins. No, somebody has to pay a price. Somebody has to pay the penalty for those sins. And God loved us so much that He just didn't want to let us go, to suffer that penalty. And that's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world in order that Jesus Christ might live the perfect life, fully God and fully man, and that Jesus Christ, as planned, would be crucified. And during that crucifixion, all the sins of the world, yours and mine, past, present, and future, were laid upon Him. And He was our substitute. He died in our place, and He's the only one who could do it because He was a representative of man. He was a man, but at the same time He was fully God, which meant He could be perfect. So He didn't deserve this punishment, but we deserved it. But He took it on Himself. We see this in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. And we focus so much on His physical suffering, we forget really about the most important thing, His spiritual suffering. Yes, He did have to die, but at the same time, when that sin was laid upon Him, it was like He was just black, covered with sin, and, and God turned away. He couldn't look upon Him because all of our sins were upon Him. And he was being penalized for us. We should have been on that cross, but He was on that cross. So He suffered the righteous, Jesus Christ, the righteous suffered for us, the unrighteous. We were the sinners. We were the ones that deserved the penalty, but He took it for us that He might bring us to God. That was the whole thing, is to bring, a whole, to bring sinful people to a holy God. And the only way to do that is to make these sinful people righteous in the eyes of God. Imagine this with me, all right? You are in a courtroom, all right? You're in a courtroom, and God is sitting on the judge's bench, and he's looking down at you, and you're at the defendant's table. And God says, my son, or excuse me, says, it's Dan. He says, Dan, uh, you're a sinner. And because of your sin, because of the fact that I am just, I must uh, tell you that the penalty of your sin is death. You have a death sentence upon you. That means that when you die, uh, you need to, to fulfill the penalty by spending eternity separated uh, from me. And then God looks down at you with love as you sit there at the defendant's table. And he says, but I didn't want that for you. And that's why I sent my son Jesus Christ. And at that point, Jesus Christ comes in the back of the courtroom, okay? And he walks up uh, the aisle, and you see uh, the nail prints in his hand, his glorified body, and his eyes are filled with love. And Jesus Christ comes right up to the front of the courtroom. And, and God says, you know, Dan, uh, I love you so much that I sent Jesus here to this world in order for him 
to suffer on your behalf. For Him to pay the penalty of sin for you. This is explaining Colossians 2, 13-14. It says, God made us alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands that He set aside, nailing it to the cross. So this is explaining the courtroom scene that I'm, I'm describing here, okay? Uh, there's a record of debt that, that's on Dan Harrison, all right? I deserve to be penalized for my sin. Now, there's a record of debt that stood against me. I mean, God had a, a, a list there of all of Dan's sins. And it was a long, long, you know, those things that keep rolling out, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, God had this list, okay? And it says, Dan, I, I hold these things against you. You have disobeyed my law. Uh, and, and again, the legal demand, when it says a record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands... The legal demand, because God is just, is that I have to suffer. He just has to do that because He's a holy and just God. He's got to do the right thing. But, notice what it says here, that He set aside nailing it to the cross. So what He did, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, He is able, if we so choose, to cancel out all those penalties. is to wipe all those sins off the books one might say, because Jesus Christ paid the price. So again, we go back to the beginning. God made us alive together with Him. He made us alive, forgiving us for our trespasses, forgiving us for our sins. He wants to forgive us, but we need to say yes. We need to say yes to Jesus. We see in this next graphic, paid in full. You deserve a penalty. I deserve a penalty. But Jesus Christ paid the penalty. So here we are in the courtroom again. And I'm sitting there. You're sitting there as a defendant. And God is looking down in love. And Jesus Christ is standing next to you. And God is saying, listen, Dan, I love you so much. And I want to spend eternity with you. I want to take you out of this world of sin and pain and suffering that you've been a part of for so many years. I want to guarantee that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with me, but there's a problem here. You you deserve a penalty. But I've got a solution. Jesus Christ here paid the penalty. Now what I need you to do is I need you to humble yourself. I need you to acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner, that you cannot earn your relationship with me, that you can't be good enough. Because you, I demand perfection, Dan. 100% perfection every day of your life. No sinful thoughts, no sinful words, no sinful... It's impossible, right? You're not going to do it. You haven't done it. You've blown it already. So the point here is is that you need to say yes to Jesus. Jesus has provided the way so that you and I can have a relationship. But you need to humble yourself and say, I accept what Jesus Christ has done for me. Yes, Judge, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize you deserve the penalty. But you provided a way out. So I accept this free gift of forgiveness. I, I, I just say you are my Lord and Savior. I want you to save me from the penalty of my sin. I want to be a part of your family. I want to say yes to Jesus, what He did for me. That's what it means to become a Christ follower, to be forgiven. Now, friends, people get so confused about this. Again, sincerity. Oh, you know, if people are just sincere, oh, that person was so sincere about what they believed, even though it didn't have anything to do with the Bible. 
Well, friends, if a doctor tells you that you have a fatal disease and you better do something about it, and you say, well, I, doctor, I've studied this myself, and I sincerely believe I don't have a fatal disease, you're going to die. So I don't care how sincerely you believe some particular thing that does not, not, is not found in this book, you're still going to die and you're going to suffer for it. Friends, sincerity only works when you're believing in the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, you know, I was baptized as an infant. Well, that was very nice. I'm glad your parents did that for you, but it doesn't save you. When you're a baby, you cannot sit at the defendant's table and make a decision. It has to be as a child or an adult who can process and understand exactly what I've just explained. You've got to sit at the defendant's table. You've got to realize you're a sinner. There's no way that you can fix this yourself. You've got to put down your pride, and that's the biggest issue. People don't want to become Christ followers because they don't want anything free. I've got to earn it, you know. Well, I tell you what, you can't earn it, and that's part of it. You're submitting yourself to God, saying, I'm a sinner. I'm, I, can't, I can't bring anything to the table here. So, you see, a baby can't do that. Uh, some people say, well, I went to a series of classes uh, when I was at a, a church, and they gave me a certificate, and I've got that certificate at home, and I'm going to show God that certificate. Well, that certificate means nothing. Now, in that process of going to those classes, if you understood what I'm saying here, and that's very possible that they explained it to you in this way that, hey, you're sitting at the defendant's table and you've got to say yes to Jesus. And you said yes to Jesus. Well, that's what saved you. Not the fact that you went to a, a bunch of classes and you got a certificate. All right? And so many people, the biggest thing is, oh, I, I think I'm good enough. I, I think, no, no, no. Just what I explained, you're not good enough. You're sitting at the defendant's table. You have a death sentence on your head. And you're trying to say, oh, God, but wait a second. Let me tell you what I did last week. And let me tell you how I helped this person. And God's just kind of shaking his head. You don't get it, man. You're dead. Jesus, the only way. Shut up. You know? Listen. You know, I'm offering you salvation here. You know, close your mouth, humble yourself, and receive this free gift. This is the key issue, guys. I mean, good work. Oh, I'm going to work my way to heaven. In fact, we have this book for our guests. If you're a guest today, uh, we have a book called How Good is Good Enough by Andy Stanley. I read it this past week again. Just a powerful book. If you, and most people struggle with this. Oh, I'll just be good enough to go to heaven. No, 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 no. you got to read this book. Now, this is just for guests. We'll, we're going to buy more of these for those of you who attend Springbrook regularly that you can take. But if you're a guest today, uh, we would love to have you to have uh, this uh, book as our gift uh, to you. But this is the issue. We look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says there, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one can boast. Again, that's the verse you need to think about as you're sitting at the defendant's table. It's not your own doing. You just need to say yes to Jesus. How do you say yes to Jesus? Well, let's take a look at this prayer. This is the Christ Father's Prayer. This is not a magic prayer, you know, magic words. This is just exactly what I explained. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say, God, I have, I have sinned. I don't deserve your love, but you've given me this free gift of grace through Jesus Christ, and I am saying yes to it. It goes, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. 
I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want to be. So can you imagine yourself sitting in the courtroom, God sitting up there as a judge, Jesus Christ is sitting, standing right next to you. and say, I want to know you personally. I want to walk with you day by day. Thanks for dying. I ask forgiveness. I repent of my sins. I open the door of my life. I'm saying yes to you. I got nothing. You got everything. I'm totally dependent upon you. My good works mean nothing. It's a free gift. Thank you. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Man, if you haven't, oh, my prayer, my heart for each of you is to say yes to Him. Because it's the most important decision in your life and how it impacts your life here on earth and, of course, into eternity. I don't know where you're at. I mean, some of you may be here today and you're hearing this for the first time. You say, this is really interesting. I've never heard this before. And you say, I'm going to check this out. Well, that's great. That's great. But, but, but just don't drop it. I mean, that's what many times people, they come to an Easter service and say, well, that was interesting. And then they go on with it. No, 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 don't do that. Because if you don't make a decision about Jesus, if you don't say yes to him, you really have said no to him. And that's really a problem after you die. All right? So I, I would encourage you to go on a fast track of exploring. And some of you are ready today. Some of you are saying, "Boy, I tell you, I mean, you feel the pressure, your heart's beating. You're saying, oh, you know, oh, man, God's speaking to me. This all makes so much sense. And at the same time, I, I don't know if I want to live that life. And all that kind of, don't worry about that. Just say yes to Jesus, and he'll take care of the rest. Just say yes to him, to submit to him, and say, God, thank you so much. I didn't, didn't. You've made it so clear today what this wonderful gift is you want me to experience. This new life you want to give me. Now, we're going to come back to that in a moment. But let's talk about another reason the resurrection is so important. The res- re- resurrection matters because my problems can be managed. My problems can be managed. <sighs> life is so hard, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful sometimes. It's great, but other times, oh. It's so tough to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, all kinds of challenges. I got, you know, challenges in your marriage. Uh, challenges because you want to get married and you can't find somebody to marry you. Challenges because uh, you have kids. <laughs> you know, you just make a whole list, right, of challenges that come along with kids, along with the joys. And uh, challenges, having a job. Challenges, not having a job. Financial challenges. Health challenges. Oh, man, life can be extremely painful. And, uh, you know, many people try to to go it on their own. Even people who know Jesus, who said yes to Jesus, but they're not accessing His power to live the Christian life, Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in, in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand, in the heavenly places. What is this saying? Well, it's talking about God, God's resurrection power, how He raised Jesus Christ from the dead according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That's God's resurrection power. What saying is, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? What this is saying is that the resurrection power 
that brought Jesus Christ up from the grave is available for you and I today in the daily challenges that we face. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Let's look at some of the things we go through in life. Things that we face every day. Right? Oh, every day we have frustrations. Right? Nev- things never work out like they should. You ever planned a vacation and you're so excited about the vacation? Oh, we're going to have a great time. You have more fun planning the vacation than going on the vacation. Because of the vacation. So you have little kids, you know, I'm like, oh, you get back from the vacation. I'm so glad that's over. But you had such fun. Life never delivers like it says it should deliver. Frustration, because it's not heaven, right? Hopefully, we're all going to heaven if we say yes to Jesus. Fatigue. I mean, you know, you're, you're, if you're working on your own power, if you're not plugging into Jesus Christ's resurrection power, all right, I mean, you're just going to become more fatigued day after day, challenge after challenge. Oh, and then the fears. You know, we're trying to control our lives. We're trying to control people so everything will go our way and we'll be happy. And it's not working because there's so many things that are outside of our control. And the more frustrated we are, the more fatigued we are, the more fearful we become and we're paralyzed by fear. And then there's failures along the way and we just get all worn out. See, friends, once you become a Christ follower, once God puts a, an electrical outlet in your life, you need to plug into it. How, how many had a piece of toast this morning? Anybody have a piece of toast this morning? Okay. What's the most important thing about making a piece of toast? What's the most important thing? Plugging in the toaster. Wouldn't you say that's the most important thing? I don't care if you got a $10 Walmart special or you ordered some $100 toaster on the Internet, you got to plug it in or it's not going to work. Well, friends, if you want to experience Jesus' resurrection power, you got to plug in, man. And the beautiful thing about once you, be, you say yes to Jesus and you plug into His power, oh, yeah, life is not perfect. But you have resources you've never had before. You have emotional strength like you've never had before. You have wisdom like you've never had before. You have comfort like you've never had before. You have coping abilities like you've never had before as you call on God's power on a day-by-day basis. And life is still full of challenges, but you've got a whole new set of resources to pull from because you're part of the family of God and for those of you who are Christ followers here, you know, and I remind myself of this as I prepared this message. You know, we can be Christ followers, but the cord can be pulled out. And we're, so, you know, we're like when your cell phone dies. Oh, don't you hate it? When your cell phone dies, your whole world shuts down. That, that's really strange, isn't it? But that's, oh, man, whatever. We're, we're, we're getting whacked out on technology. But, oh, my cell phone died. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're dying all the time every day. We're dying in the vines. Like, oh, man, life is overwhelming. Well, plug into the power. I'm going to have our band come out at this time. And I want to show you a very powerful video that we put together just in the last month of people in our congregation who are Christ followers who plugged into the power of Jesus Christ. And, friends, as soon as you become a Christ follower, you know, you plug in 
And, and, and Jesus starts to make things new in your life. Jesus starts to renovate things. Jesus starts to empower you. Jesus starts to, to help you to grow and, and do things you've never done before and overcome addictions and heal marriages. And it goes on and on. So, so I want you to watch this video and listen to the lyrics of this song. And, and if you're not a Christ follower yet, I want you to, to think about saying yes to Jesus. If you're already a Christ follower, saying, hey, am I really plugging into Jesus the way I need to? Let's watch this together.
I want to share a secret with those of you who don't come to church often. Um, the people who attend this church are just as normal, just as messed up and broken as you are. <laughs> okay? There is nothing, nothing special about us that attend this church regularly. There is nothing special about us. But Jesus Christ has made us special when we said yes to Him. Amen? Again, we're all struggling along. And again, when you say yes to Jesus, He starts doing that kind of stuff in your life. And if you look at that and you say, I don't want that in my life, I don't know what to say to you. Because, friends, we, we are all in different times in our lives find ourselves in sinful messes. And Jesus wants to come in, whether we know Jesus or we don't know Him, uh, whether we've made that decision to be a Christ follower or not. I mean, he could, it's not like he, we become Christ followers and we're all good. No, I mean, we continue to struggle. and He's always making us new. Year after year, I've been a Christ follower for over 40 years, and he continues to work on me and make me new in the midst of all my pain and struggles. You know, we're just real people here at Springbrook that have been transformed by Christ. And, you know, I just want to ask those of you here who are ready, who, who just have sensed something burning within you, the Spirit speaking to you to say yes to Jesus this morning. Here's the prayer again. Again, nothing magic about this particular prayer. But I, we're just going to have a moment of silence. And if you're, if you're sitting in the courtroom, you're in the defendant's chair. Jesus Christ is looking down at you in love. God is looking down at you. And you find decided that you're going to stop trying to convince God that you're good enough. And you're just going to say yes to Jesus. So just, just take a moment. Say this prayer or another prayer to yourself that just says, Lord, I love you. I just, I need you. Please forgive me. Make me your child. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us and to be resurrected. Thank you for providing us a way to you, a relationship to you. Thank you for your righteousness. For those who said yes already to Jesus, thank you for placing that upon us. And I I just rejoice this morning over those who have said yes to Jesus. What a wonderful day this is. March 31st, 2013, their spiritual birthday. When they were born again, they were transformed by Jesus Christ. And they were plugged into your power, your resurrection power. What a wonderful thing. I pray for those who are continuing to, to search. And I pray that they would, would seek you out. That they would... Do it quickly, that they would make it the number one priority in their lives. If, again, you got a hold of them and you're working in their lives, 
Father, I pray for those us who already know you as Christ followers. I pray that we would uh, just plug into the power this week and whatever we're facing. Because that power is always at work. And Lord, when we try to do it on our own, we just fall flat on our faces. Thank you so much for your grace. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Well, if you could take this particular insert out, this green insert, we'd like everybody uh, to do this, everybody to do this. And uh, we, uh, every year it's at Easter time, uh, we try to uh, fill out our uh, records, our database, in order that we might have the most up-to-date information on uh, the people that attend our church as well as guests. If you're a guest, fill out, fill out as much information uh as you feel comfortable. But the most important thing here that I'd like to know, uh, it says, welcome to Springbrook Easter Connection card, that side. It says, first time guest, second time guest, regular attender. Under that, there it says, next steps. And I really would like you, if you feel comfortable, to fill this out, to circle one of these letters. And here, what the, here's what some of the letters stand for. Uh, first of all, if you're already a believer, if, if you've already said yes to Jesus, I want you just to circle that A there, Okay. Circle that A if you're you're already a Christ follower. Uh, if you became a believer today, we really want you to circle that B. We'll send you an email with information. We have pens being passed out here. If you need a pen, just raise your hand, and one of our ushers will get that to you. But if you became a believer today, boy, that's something wonderful, and we'd love to know about that. If you're considering becoming a believer, it's kind of like, well, this is really interesting. I want to explore this more. Uh, circle C. And if you doubt you'll ever become a believer, hey, just be honest with us. That's okay. You know, I mean, I hope that your mind will change. But uh, circle D. All right? Another thing we want to know is how you heard about our church. We want to continue to let people know about our ministry. And uh, in a moment, Rich is going to come out and tell you more about what's going on in our ministry at Springbrook. We want to invite you back. You know, what you felt today, you know, you can feel on a regular basis as you attend uh, church. We're going to start a study in the book of Philippians, uh, the book that Paul wrote to people at Philippi. It was about uncommon joy. Paul was in prison writing this thing, and he was talking about the joy that he was experiencing. So I think we can learn something uh, from Paul about experiencing joy in difficult circumstances. Uh, so we'd love to have you out for that particular uh, series. But uh, at this time, uh, we're going to give you just a few seconds here to fill this out. We're going to have some piano music, and then Rich will come out.